eyes of the blind There's no one like you There's none like you Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you There's none like you Our God is greater, our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer, awesome in power Our God, our God Into the darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you There's none like you Cause our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power Our God, our God Our God is greater God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us, and if our God is with us, then what can stand against? And if our God is for us, then what could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? What can stand against? Cause our God is greater, our God is stronger. You are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power Our God I'm going to do that again Our God Our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power Our God Our God lost but he brought me and know oh, his love for me yeah his love for me who the sun sets free oh it's free indeed I'm a child of God yes I He has ransomed me, oh, he 
His grace runs deep And while I was a slave to sin Jesus died for me Yes, He died for me Who the Son sets free Oh, is free little bit I hear it trying to buzz so I, I made a change and um, to the songs that I was going to do tonight and uh, this I'm going to do a song that I that um, I do quite a bit and it's called my story and it's with everything that I just went through this song just 
you've not heard it, you'll, you'll hear it and you'll understand. But it just, it sings to me. And so whenever I was down and um, this thing had spread into my right hand and I couldn't play very well, um, I'd just sing, you know. So I would sing this song. If I told you my story, if I told you my story. And it ends with Blessed Assurance, which is one of my favorite hymns of, of all time. If I told you my story, you would hear hope that wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. If I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't mine. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin, of when justice was served. And where mercy went of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell of Him. If I told you my story, you would hear victory. Over the enemy If I told you my story You would hear freedom That was one for me If I told you my story You would hear life Overcome the grave should speak then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin of when justice was served and when mercy wins of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in oh to tell you my story is to tell of him well, this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day That is greater than all my sin Of when justice was served And when mercy wins Of the kindness of Jesus That draws me in Oh, to tell you my story Is to tell of the grace That is greater 
sin of when justice was served and when mercy wins of kindness Jesus that draws me in Lord tell you my story is to tell him Lord tell you my story is to tell Praising my Savior all the day long. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation. Purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for. A beautiful day and a chance to be together this evening. God, I pray as we look into your word, as we look at some important, some really important things this evening, God, that our hearts will be open and attuned to you. And God, that we will hear and respond as we should. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Would you give Josh a hand for a great job? Good evening. If you need our fill-in-the-blank list for tonight, raise your precious hand and one of these gentlemen, I use that term loosely, will get that to you. You have to keep your hand raised just for a moment. Next week, we will be in our VBS family night, and it will be a lot of fun, and then we're going to come back in two weeks, and we're going to finish our Theology for Life, and then we'll be back to just regular preaching for a while on Wednesday night. So, for better or worse, that's the future plans right now. We're going to talk tonight about baptism. How many of you have ever seen someone baptized? Every one of you have here. You'd probably be surprised around the world, people who wouldn't understand it. But it is very important. How many of you know that there's some pretty different and strong views on baptism in the Christian world? Did you know, do you know that? There, there really is. There's some strong views. To begin with, baptism and the Lord's Supper are ordinances of the church. Ordinance. O-R-D-I-N-A-N-C-E. How many of you have heard the word ordinance before with a, uh, in, in church? An ordinance is simply a degree or command of God to be carried out by the church. An ordinance, biblically, is a degree or command to be carried out by the church. 
These are things God says we're supposed to do. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus' parting words before he goes back to heaven. Go there, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which he's talking about here. Making disciples starts with evangelism. You baptize a new convert, and then you, you, you evangelize, you baptize, and then it goes on and says you teach them everything that I have commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. Uh, that's one of several places in the New Testament, but that's obviously Jesus is giving not a good suggestion there. He's given a commandment, isn't he? He's given a, uh, something that we are supposed to do. Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O. I want you to go home to, tonight or tomorrow and just to talk to someone and go, you know, I was at church last night and we were exegeting Scripture and we talked about baptizo. And they're going to think you're either really weird or really deep. And people are impressed by really deep. If you notice that, you don't have to say anything, but if people think you're deep, then you have impressed them, especially in the religious world. And this is important. This is important. Baptizo literally means to dip, to plunge, submerge, or immerse. Baptizo literally means to dip, plunge, submerge, are immersed. Listen, this is, this is very interesting. The Greek word baptizo is literally the picture of the sinking of a ship. The sinking of a ship. We get our mode, our style of baptism from the word meaning. We immerse people because that is what the Greek word means. It means to Submerse, uh, and, and I'm not at all trying to make fun of or light of anything, but when a ship is sinking, it's not getting sprinkled on, correct? It's going underwater. That, that's, that's the picture here uh, of that. Now, I think this is, this is a, a very important to our belief. We don't believe the mode is essential to salvation, do we? Or do we? No, we, we don't hear First Baptist. You may personally believe that. You're not allowed to teach that, but, but we don't believe that as a church. We believe immersion, but it's, it's the biblical wording and the model. Just a quick history review. We got our name Baptist for a reason, correct? And it comes from what we believe about baptism. Did you know several hundred years ago, that our forefathers were killed because they did this? Did you know that? By other Christians, did you know that? That is truth because that was so radical to think that you were going to immerse someone after their conversion. That's not radical to us at all. It is radical. But, but we baptize by immersion because that's what the biblical word means. That's, it's not just something that like in a deacon's meeting 15 years ago, you know, the deacon, why don't we just stick them underwater? Wouldn't that be better? That, that's not where it, it all came together. Does that sound good? Weird things happen in deacons meeting. Amen, deacons? But we didn't decide on the baptismal mode there. Okay, is baptism symbolic or sacramental? This is very important. Is baptism symbolic or sacramental? I'm hearing some good words out there. It is what? 
It's symbolic. This is, this is really, 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 really important. Symbolic means it's representative of something, right? Symbolizes. It's a picture of something. If I say this symbolizes beauty or this symbolize, the flag is a symbol of our country, right? You understand what that means. Baptism is a symbol. Sacramental, on the other hand, means it is a part of or essential to salvation. Now, let's pause here. I don't think this is true of you, but there's some people when you say we're going to talk about what you believe or doctrines, you know, we don't need to hear that. What you believe is everything. If you're wrong on what you believe, you're in trouble. Amen? You can be very sincere and die and go to hell. You can be very, very, very sincere and be way off base as a Christian. If baptism is sacramental, if it's essential to salvation, we've got to readjust everything we've been teaching and preaching here for years. And some of you need to get baptized again tonight. If it's sacramental, we believe that it's symbolic. It's very, very important. There are groups that say you must be baptized to be saved. Have you ever heard that? Raise your hand if you have heard that. Have you heard that, that you, you have to be baptized to be saved? I, absolutely. Here's what I, I believe. I believe this view grabs one or two passages of Scripture and builds a theology based on, on that. If you've been in here the last few months, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot. This last sentence, you must interpret the Bible in the context of what? The whole Bible. I think some errors in our Southern Baptist Convention right now that are going on are because people grab a few verses and build a theology around it instead of looking at the, the whole. That, that happens all the time. And when you look at the Bible versus one or two verses... And I think I'm going to, hopefully I can show you this in just a moment. That the Bible doesn't teach baptismal salvation. It teaches another way of, of being saved. I've asked people before, have any of you ever had a debate with anybody about this? Two of us. Well, okay, that's good. Y'all are three, three. Thank you, Cindy. And I've asked people, hey, you got to be baptized to be saved. And, and one, one of the things I've asked people, I want you to think about this. How many of you remember the story of the thief on the cross? And that wasn't your uncle. I'm talking about in the Bible. <laughs> May have been your uncle, but this is the one in the Bible. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you can get down from this cross and get baptized, you can go to heaven, right? No. And again, I'm not trying to make light. I'm trying to trying to really touched with the theology on this. Jesus told that man, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you're going to die. Paradise is the equivalent of heaven. Today Jesus said, you're going to be with me in heaven. Isn't that great? That guy didn't have to go through a discipleship course. He didn't have to join the church. All those things are great. He didn't get baptized. I've literally had people tell me, Chris, you don't know that he, they didn't take him down from that cross and baptize him. And listen to me, I do know that. That would have made the Bible. You think they would have missed that? Well, Peter, you know, and John and Luke and all them were looking away when that happened. No. First of all, the Romans weren't going to stop a crucifixion to let someone be 
pulled off the cross and baptized. You, are you with me? I've heard people say, well, that was before Jesus died. It all changed. Well, what? Salvation didn't change. From, from, <laughs> salvation didn't change. So that's, that's a pretty good illustration when someone wants to debate you on that to ask them. We believe baptism is symbolic. How are you saved? Is it by faith alone? That's the question. Is it by faith alone? John 3, 15 and 16. Look what it says. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever joins First Baptist Ruston will not perish but have eternal life. We would have a greater membership tomorrow if that was true, wouldn't it? Salvation's tied in belief in Jesus Christ, isn't it? Okay, am I just pulling passages? I don't think so. Romans 10, 9 and 10 because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, made right with God, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Romans ten thirteen. for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And one more passage, Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved, read that out loud with me, through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Here's the question, is, is it by faith alone or faith plus something else? It is by faith alone. Now, now folks, faith in Christ that saves you is not just a third grade or uh, even a Ph.D. intellectual belief, it is a repentance of your sins. It is accepting who Jesus is and surrendering your life. Man, it's a deep thing, but that's how you're saved. You're saved by faith. Now, I, I want to strengthen this argument just a little bit more. I, I think that'll be helpful. It's interesting. We have no record of Jesus ever baptizing anyone. Did you know that? We, we have no record that Jesus ever baptized anybody. John chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. John 4, 1 and 2. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples did. Do you think that's interesting? And there's nowhere else in the Gospels that it ever says Jesus baptized anybody. Uh, Paul plays down the fact of people he baptized. In 1 Corinthians 1, chapter, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14 through 17. By the way, Paul lays the wood on the Corinthians a couple of times, doesn't he? He's laying it on them here too. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus, the donut guy, and Gaius. So that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I, I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. Listen to verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. If baptism, I want you to think with me, if baptism was essential to salvation and Jesus and Paul were on a mission 
to save people, don't you think they would have been dunking everybody they could have got their hands on? Now, honestly, stop for just a second. If it was essential to salvation, don't you think they would have been dunking everybody they could have got their hands on? Okay. I think that's real important. Let's pause again. If you are saved by faith plus, you better get that plus right. Do you agree? Okay. What, what baptism represents? What does it represent? It, it represents the washing away of our sins. Is that symbolic? Yes. It represents the beginning of a new life. Now, hear this and hear it completely. In the early church, they often baptized in the nude. Men baptized men at ceremonies and women baptized women at ceremonies. Somebody say amen. This was before all the, you know, cross-bathroom stuff, cross-baptismal stuff, I guess. And one of the things they did is they baptized them in the nude and when they came out of the water, they gave them a new set of clothes. They were a new person. Took off the old clothes, they baptized them in the nude, and they put on the nude. You say, oh, I don't need to hear that in church. That's our history. That's, that's truth. That's, that's reality. It represents the death and burial and resurrection of Christ and of us to a new life. How many of you have heard someone, we, some of our guys, I don't say this when, normally when I'm baptized, some of our guys do, buried with Christ or risen to a, a new life, which is absolutely correct. So the best way to symbolize the washing away of sin, the best, best way to symbolize a death and a resurrection in a new life is by what? By immersion. And we believe immersion does that. Here's the next thing. Who should be baptized? Should a newborn baby be baptized? We don't criticize, we should never criticize when someone's been sprinkled or christened as a baby or as a child. But we don't think that that's essential. If, I, I would challenge you, obviously, if you disagree with this, do your homework and come talk to me. But there's no biblical teaching about infant baptism. Again, we have a lot of people come to our church and, and join our church that have been sprinkled or christened as a baby. That's fine. What we got, that's great. We look at that more as a baby parent dedication thing. We don't criticize that at all. But we don't believe that saves a kid. We don't believe that it secures your eternal salvation. We don't believe that's essential. When where Cindy and I were in Alicia, where we lived in Texas before we came here, there was a, a pastor of another denomination who wrote an article, newspaper article, and it was in a, an Abilene paper, which is a big newspaper. And he talked about infant baptism and how that it's essential for salvation and how that although you couldn't find it in the New Testament, isn't that funny, that he tied it into circumcision in the Old Testament. No, I'm not even trying to be funny, but I thought, boy, I guess the girls are out of luck. Are you with me or are you asleep? When you say circumcision, most of the time people sit up and listen. And how that, when that little baby got baptized, that little baby got saved. 
I didn't want to beat him up, but I did want to gut punch him. I'm just teasing. If you're on the internet, I'm just teasing. But I thought that's heresy. And if I believe that's true, you know what we would do? We would train our deacons to go to every hospital in this area, and every time a baby was born, whether the parents wanted it or not, we'd be throwing water on them. <laughs> what are you doing to my baby? I'm getting him into heaven. Man, that, hey, if we're wrong, that's eternal. If we're right and they're wrong, that's false hope. And if you've been sprinkled or christened, that, that's wonderful. That's fine. It's not found in the Bible. And it's not going to secure your relationship with God for eternity. Biblically, a person should be baptized after they are saved. Biblically, okay, what's more important, your opinion, my opinion, or the Bible? Bible. Acts 2, 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So those who received his word, those who were saved, were baptized, and there were added to their that, that number about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine what a Sunday that was? The church was running 120 when it began that day. When the day ended, they were running 3,120. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Can you imagine talking to your friends at work the next day about your Sunday? We baptized 3,000. How was your Sunday? <laughs> they were baptized after they were saved. They probably were not haughty like I would have been. In Acts chapter 16, great story. Paul and Silas were in jail. Long story short, they end up getting to lead the, the jailer and his family to Christ. They brought out, he brought the jailer, brought him out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. You see what he said? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him. And all who were in his house, obviously they believed, they took them that same hour of the night, washed Paul and Silas's wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. What we try to do here, when someone is saved, we try to counsel them. We try to make sure as best we can that they know what they're doing. And you, let me tell you something. You can talk to your own kid. We can talk to your kid. We can talk to a person and feel very good about everything and baptize them. And three years later, they get saved. And I want to tell you, parents, don't freak out about that. Or grandparents, just rejoice that they are. So don't, don't panic about that. But you don't have to have a 10-year discipleship process before you get baptized. Does that make sense? And in fact, it, it happened pretty quick in the New Testament. A person should be baptized after they are saved. Here's a, here's a, a funny story from my first church, a great story. A guy joined my church in April, and he was coming from another denomination. He had never been baptized, and we believed that he needed to be baptized to join our church. He said he was saved, but so he gets, he, I baptized him in April. Well, in December, he gets saved. I mean, he got, he got saved. He became a true Christian. And so uh, a week later, we baptized him again. So we baptized him twice in a year. Was that wrong on our part? No, it, it was not wrong on our part. How many of you have been baptized more than once? Uh, a, a lot of us have. By the way, you can be baptized so often that the fish and the stream know you by name, and that doesn't, it's not going to get you to heaven. 
But I was baptized when I was nine, and I was saved when I was 19. You know what? I was baptized again because we believe that you should be baptized after you're saved. Make sense? Hope so. Let's sum it up. Why be baptized? Some of you need to be baptized. Some of you have family members or friends that need to be. Or you may be asked about, why should I be baptized? Here's the first, it's the first act of obedience for the new Christian. It's the first act of obedience. The first thing that God asked us to do. Now, I, I know, like for me, it, there was some time passed before I was baptized because I, I couldn't, you know, was I saved when I was little and I struggled with doing it again. And I did, so, you know, it's not like, okay, well, if you don't get baptized immediately, you're evil. No, but, but it is, it's really the first thing in the Bible that we're told to do after that we are, we are saved to be baptized. Number two, it follows the example of Jesus. He follows the example Jesus set for us. How many of you knew Jesus was baptized? He needed to get to heaven, right? No. <laughs> Why was Jesus baptized? Real quick, he was baptized probably for, for a couple of reasons. One, it authenticated the ministry of John. And he set an example for everybody sitting here this evening that it's something that God wants us to do. Number three, it is a public confession that you're following Jesus. It's not the only way to confess Christ, but it is certainly a way. In Matthew 10, 32 and 33, listen to this, everyone who acknowledges me, let's read this together. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But How many of you agree we better let the world know where we stand? <laughs> and, and listen, a, a very fundamental way you do that is when you get baptized, isn't it? Now, is I, I grew up Baptist. I grew, I grew up Baptist, and so I've been Baptist. My grandparents were Baptist. My dad was mom or Baptist. And Baptists, we have made people traditionally do two professions of faith, haven't we? We made them walk an aisle. Back in the old days, you had to walk an aisle, and we had to present you profession number one, then we baptized for profession number two. We don't do that anymore. We, we believe that if you came and you get saved on a Thursday, we'll baptize you on Sunday. We don't make you do the, the double profession. Nothing wrong with that if you've done that or you want to do that. But I think it's pretty cool to know that profession of faith in the baptism is a pretty great one, isn't it? It's pretty great. Pretty radical, too, to ask an adult to get into a tub of water in front of other people and get immersed. It's, it's a pretty radical thing. And here's the last thing. It's a great example and a witness to those who need to do the same. You know, when I get ready to baptize people, uh, one of the things I tell them, I, I tell them that you're obeying God. You're obe why, why do you need to get baptized? There's a lot of deep theological reasons, but I say you're obeying God. And number two, you're showing the people out here who you belong to. You're on Christ's team. And number three, you're doing something that's going to cause somebody else to think, do I need to do the same thing? That's pretty good, isn't it? So I want to just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Josh is just going to pray. And I, we're not going to have a come forward invitation this evening. But I would just ask you, number one, do, do you know that you know Christ? Do you, do you have a relationship with Christ? And if not, this, this evening, give your life to Jesus. Even where you're seated, just, 
just to say, Jesus, man, I want to repent of my sins. I, I don't understand it all, but I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I give you my life, Jesus. Maybe tonight God's speaking to your heart and you need to be baptized. You're a deacon, Sunday school teacher. You're 90, you're 85. You, you've been in this church 70 years. You're, you're new here tonight. You're watching online. Man, I want to encourage you. I'll be over here at the door by the piano on the way out. Let me know that you're ready to join the church, to give your life to Christ, to be baptized. And we'll set that up. We'll do it Sunday if you're ready or we'll do it in the, the weeks ahead. I want to encourage you to obey Christ. Baptism is a wonderful thing and not an optional thing as we live for Jesus. Lord, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for giving us the privilege to get in that water and to profess you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to see all of you this evening. Those of you who don't know, I was out last Wednesday and Sunday. Some of you didn't know that. We normally sleep through the sermons. We don't know who's up there. I understand. But I'm glad to see you, and I hope that you've had a great week so far. We're going to have a great day Sunday. Go ahead and look at Proverbs 3.5. I may have to split the, this in two more sermons because Proverbs 3.5 and 6 are so rich. But look at Proverbs 3, 5. That's where we're for sure going to be in Sunday morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? I didn't write it so I can say it. It's good stuff. Invite somebody to come to church with you Sunday. By doing that, you may be the key to that person. Maybe finding a church home. Maybe finding Jesus for eternity. Invite somebody to come with you. Let's stand. Josh, you got a song in you as we get ready to go? I do.